The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. You can find them at highechelloncpa.com. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency, so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should always get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation and security. Book a call or drop them a line at their website, highecheloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude's state-of-the-art indoor training center, they are capable of simulating elevation up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times myself ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuel you're burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info at elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or you want to set up an appointment. Again, their website is elementalaltitude.com. Finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. Thanks to all of our sponsors who help us bring you the most pleasant exhaustion podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Centers, MPE Coaching, Blue Pineapple Travel, and High Echelon PC. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. We have a very special guest that I'm excited to have on the podcast, Brian Hetherington. Welcome to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Thanks, George. Glad to be here. Brian is a longtime friend of mine. He is a multi-time Ironman finisher. Uh, he's an alumnus of the Georgia Tech uh, track and cross-country teams, as am I. But undoubtedly, his biggest claim to fame is that he is a member of our Blue Ridge Relay team. So far be it for us to let too long go by without having somebody from the Blue Ridge Relay come on and talk to us about their experiences. The main reason why we brought Brian on the podcast now, though, is because Brian just finished the 2023 Ironman Arizona. Congratulations, Brian. Thanks. That was a great race. 
we want to hear all about it, but I figure we'll kind of start by going back in your history a little bit. Um, and so tell us a little bit about endurance sports, how you got into it, and then ultimately how you started doing triathlons and Ironmans. Yeah, I mean, much like you, I was a, a longtime uh, endurance runner. I actually started when I was in sixth grade. I couldn't do any sports when I was younger that required hand-eye coordination, so uh, I had a <laughs> Uh, that is not teacher. like me, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so I picked it up at a at a pretty young age uh, with a PE teacher. It got me into to run some 10Ks, ran all through high school and Division One college at Georgia Tech with you. Um, you know, got out of college and and you know tried to run quasi seriously as as an amateur doing a full time job. You know and and for a year or two and just didn't really enjoy it. And I think was pretty burned out from probably eight or 10 years of experience at that point in time of running competitively. So I pretty much stopped for a good, I don't know, 12 years or so, 12, 15 years. Um, you know, fast forward to probably about 2014, 15 or so, um, you know, like a lot of middle-aged people, weight was going up a little bit, cholesterol was going up, you know, was trying various other things to, you know, just do general exercise and, and nothing really quite seemed to have the good bang for the buck that, you know, long distance running used to have. So got back into, uh, running a good bit, um, you know, doing some Ragnars and pretty casually and joining you guys on Blue Ridge and, was getting more and more into endurance running, jumped into marathon and, you know, really kind of was, you know, uh, starting to feel like, all right, I'm enjoying running competitively again. I'm not trying to base myself against what I used to be able to do as a, mm -hmm. as a younger runner, which I think is a mistake. So many of us make when we get out of, you know, mm -hmm. collegiate running and try to run on our own as we compare ourselves to what we used to be. But, um, but just definitely was feeling like, man, my body cannot take this, you know, five, six days a week of, of run training only that it used to be able to. So got back into cycling, which was something that I did casually when I was younger uh, for cross training was jumping into decent number of group rides in the Annapolis area where I live, um, you know, was, was able to do pretty good with the group rides. Um, you know, so it started dawning, dawning on me, Hey, I can, I can, I can run fairly well for my age. I can cycle. Well, I should probably just learn how to swim and and then I could actually compete <laughs> at something new. Yeah. So, um, hooked so, up with a swim coach that, um, you know, was able to get me where I could comfortably swim in triathlons in a, in a number of months and then started getting into them back in about 2021 or so. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Well, and I, I want to circle back around to, to 2021 and, and getting into triathlons and all that sort of thing. But you know, hearing your athletic history just makes me think of a couple of quick things that I, I, I want to hear what you have to say on. Uh, first of all, you know, I also, like you, spent this time in like my late 20s where I was sort of focusing on other things and I wasn't really running a whole lot and 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 stuff like that. And I sometimes look back on that and I kind of regret the fact that that was, I mean, that's when people do their best performances, right? I mean, that's, that's when, that's when all the world records are set or when people are in their, their late twenties and early thirties and stuff like that. Right. I mean, that, that could have been when I was at my very, very best. 
Um, and instead I was, you know, focusing on other aspects of my life. Um, do you ever look back and regret that you took 12 to 14 years off during that time when you could have been the very best you could have been? Um, no, not really. Um, I mean, I grew up, uh, sailboat racing in the Chesapeake Bay area. Um, you know, it was something I had gotten away from into high school and college with, you know, my running career getting a little bit more intense. Um, so when I got out of running, I actually got back into, uh, sailboat racing, uh, yachting a good bit pretty seriously in the Chesapeake Bay from kind of in that in-between time. So, you know, it just, I ended up doing something different. Um, yeah. you know, jumping into Ironmans now, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that I look back on and I, I look at times that, you know, people run in marathons. I'm like, I, I could have run so much faster if I did one of these back <laughs> in high. I mean, but I remember the thought I had coming out of college. I, I had zero desire to run a marathon out of college, mm -hmm. but you know, so yeah. Hey, those are decisions we make. I don't regret it. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think it's worth mentioning too, that like, so you're kind of competing at a high level now and, and I'm competing at a fairly high level now. And, and had we like tried to continue to compete at a high level throughout our twenties and into our thirties, well, who knows where we'd be right now. Right. And so right. I, I do think that that break may have been necessary. And I do also think that for me, and, and you tell me whether this is true for you, like you talked about how important it is not to compare yourself to where you used to be, not to be like, well, I was in college, I could run 25 laps at a pace that I can barely run a single lap now. Right. Um, yep. And which is, literal for me <laughs> um, but but um but having that break i think in a lot of ways made that mental separation between those two things it keeps me from making that direct comparison and maybe if i hadn't had that break i would be more inclined to make that direct comparison i mean what do you think oh yeah i i mean i think even if i had continued on you know that just the human tendency to you know even as you kind of aware, you know, you're aware that you're getting older and, and slowing down a bit that yeah, it would all still be too close in the past that you'd want to, you know, get back to it. So, mm -hmm. you know, having a good 12, 15 year break is like, you know, and, and I think the other thing for me is shifting over. I mean, I still do a, a 5k or a 10k here and there, but I mean, in a lot of ways, I completely changed the events that I'm doing, you know? Yeah. So I never did triathlons when I was younger. I never did marathons when I was younger. So, yeah. you know, in that sense, I don't even have, you know, the previous, they're kind of new goals and new bars and stuff like that, that I can set, you know, uh, right. standards to. So. Right. Right. I get that. Well, so, and that, and that's actually a good segue into the other thing I wanted to ask you that, that kind of popped into my head as you were talking about your, your history. So, you started getting back into it. You started running for those reasons that you mentioned, you know, for health reasons, essentially, um, which is always a great reason to run. Um, but it didn't take long before you were actually jumping into competitions again. Um, I, I, I've always thought, and I've never actually put this to the test, but I've always thought that being a runner who just runs and exercises without having a goal on the calendar, without having a race is something that I couldn't do. Um, yeah, yeah I, 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 I need to compete. Um, I, I, I enjoy the competitive aspect of it, even as I've gotten slower over the course of the past three decades. Right. I mean, are you that way too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was really what got me out of it when I was younger. Um, I just, you know, I was never one of those people that could, 
run for the the runner's high. I, I, you know, certainly when I was younger, I absolutely needed the competition. So when the competition wasn't there anymore as a younger 20 something, it, it pretty much lost all of its luster. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's definitely, I have to have something to go for that's a competition, but I think what I appreciate a lot more now that I didn't appreciate earlier, um, is the build. Um, you know, I mean, I hated training when I was younger. I loved to compete, but I hated training. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, now with doing some bigger events further apart, I mean, you know, I'm a projects type of person. I'm an engineer by background and, and so, building the plan and then working the steps along the way to get yeah. to the end goal now is so much more rewarding than it used to be, you know, yeah. which is, is, has a double-edged benefit because, you know, it, it's a good motivator for, you know, getting me to train, you know? Mm-hmm. So I get that too. Yeah. We've talked on this podcast about how some of my mind shift because of the pandemic had to, had to shift away from that kind of, gradual step-by-step build towards an a goal every six months like i had to get away from that a little bit and and but i but i still very much see the allure of that um yeah. the idea of you know you pick this goal and it's it's pretty far out and then you build out everything from that goal um i think that's great um and i definitely definitely can appreciate the allure of that um all right so so you went pretty quickly in 2021 you said you you said Okay, so you can ride a bike pretty well. You can run pretty well. Maybe I'll learn how to swim and do some triathlons. But then it didn't take you long to decide, okay, well, Ironmans are what I actually want to do. Like you didn't spend a few years doing sprints and then a few years doing Olympics. I mean, it, it was not very long between when you decided to learn to swim and when you did your first Ironman, right? Yeah. Um, it, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on it a little bit later. I, I you know, I actually made the big hairy goal first of um, – you know, wanting to make a stab at race across America. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the bike race, kind of, the bike race yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it was kind of something that I almost looked at as an intermediate step of saying, okay, well, you know, that's a few years down the road. Um, in between now and then, I'm going to start getting into, you know, doing some more triathlon. So yeah, I, I jumped into two or three Olympics first. And and then that first year, um, did a, a half iron, uh, in North Carolina. Um, the first year I was doing them. Um, and you know, I definitely, you know, I, first of all, I mean, the North Carolina Ironman half Ironman in Wilmington, which is sealed, uh, uh, beach to battleship. I mean, it's, it's an incredible event. It's a down current swim, which is great for somebody like me it's super flat bike it's a nice run you know flat right down front street so you know plus iron man just you know they put on good events so it was a really good first experience Mm -hmm. um you know definitely didn't scare me off and so it was one of those that i came out of that and and you know i was like okay what's what's next um Mm -hmm. and uh so yeah then um set my sights on first full distance, which, uh, was Ironman, Texas in, in 2022. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Very good. So that was in May of 2022, basically. And so it kind of, it can't, you're, you're, you're getting into, uh, ultra endurance or long endurance triathlon, um, 
uh, I think really dovetailed nicely with pandemic stuff <laughs> because you didn't have like, you know, an Ironman that was canceled because of the pandemic or something else like that. Right. I mean, you didn't start getting into it until right as things were kind of opening up post pandemic. Right. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Very good. And so, so you did your first, uh, uh, full Ironman, your first 140.6 distance triathlon, um, at Ironman Texas in May of 2022. So that was your first. And then what'd you do next? Um, yeah, so I, I did Texas, which, uh, you know, you had a decent coach for, uh, <laughs> with, with you. Decent. Um, one, not bad. What good, good coach. Uh, one, one of your last, uh, four A's before you got out of, uh, before you got out of coaching uh, for a little while. Um, but yeah, I, I finished up Ironman, Texas. Um, I mean, I had a, a good first time race there. Um, you know, nothing stellar, but you know, it, it definitely kept me wanting to do more. Um, you know, and like many people coming out of it kind of had some, you know, post Ironman blues. So, you know, mm -hmm. didn't really have something on the calendar. And, you know, so I was one of those people that probably within two or three weeks afterwards was searching the list and trying to find something else. So, um, I did, uh, Ironman steelhead in Southwest Michigan, which I, I don't think they've have anymore, but, uh, it's kind of the next one. Um, it was a 70.3, right? It was a 70.3. Yeah. yeah um you know went on to do some more and and was enjoying it kept doing some olympics uh through the summer you know really kind of was picking up with you know i was working out the entire system which you know as you know is such a big part of triathlon just figuring out your routine and the transitions and you know mm -hmm. fueling and gear and everything else mm -hmm. um connected uh with uh, another, uh, good coach, uh, Alyssa Gadeski, uh, mm -hmm. through you, um, started working with her, uh, that summer, um, you know, and it, kind of like so many other things, wanted to get something else onto the radar. So mm -hmm. actually did, uh, or planned for Ironman Arizona last year in 2022, um, you know, as my second full, um, you know, like so many people, I think I was picking my my events largely based on what worked on the calendar mm -hmm. first, um, mm -hmm. and then kind of what looked appealing as far as um, logistics and and course and stuff like that. Second, um, had a uh, you know kind of a rough time at Ironman Arizona last year. Um, uh, you know. Arizona is a course where it's generally fairly cold in the, in the morning. The water temp is in the mid to upper 60s. Um, and last year's course, they had us coming out of the water probably uh, a quarter mile down the down the shore from transition. So I got out. It was already cold. was wearing a sleeveless wetsuit. Um, I'm pretty sure I went, you know, quasi hypothermic, uh, going into transition. It took me forever to just get through transition, got on the bike, you know, was having a halfway decent bike through the first two of three laps, uh, laid the bike down in a turn on, uh, the second lap. Uh, so that banged me up and held me up for a little while there. We should, we should be um, clear about what you mean. You crashed, right? I crashed. Tried <laughs> yeah, yeah. to stay in the arrow bars, do a hard right hand turn, which was a mistake, and okay, and and slid out. So, um, so I finished, but it was it was a rough race. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
So, yeah. So, uh, you know, moving into this year, um, you know, I had uh, some work commitments, you know, my day job, um, you know, was meeting some milestones towards the end of uh, June that I knew were going to take a lot of my time. Um, you know, I'm a dad of two as well. So I, you know, and like, like you, I've, I've got a personal life that I need to try and balance also. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'd planned on 2023 pretty much being a kind of a, a slower year, an easier year. Um, mm-hmm. uh, did a few Olympics last spring, uh, signed up for Eagle Man 70.3, the Maryland half Ironman uh, mm-hmm. in June. Um, unfortunately had another accent at, uh, <laughs> at, uh, Eagle man, um, on the bike uh, again, crashed on again. the bike again, uh, crashed in aid station at, at mile 16, um, actually managed to finish the bike. Um, but you know, it just felt banged up, but got off in T2 and, uh, couldn't stand. And so made a, made a little trip to the emergency room where I was diagnosed with a separated shoulder and and a uh two non-displaced hip fractures so oh, God. <laughs> i was i was done with eagle man um you know um, let's just just to make sure everybody picked up on that so you rode 40 miles in eagle man in the arrow position with two non-displaced hip fractures and a separated shoulder yeah yeah. Well, you know, my, my thought, my thought on the, you know, anybody that's done Eagle Man, basically the ride goes out into Blackwater Wildlife Refuge. So it's, it's in this kind of forested, it's flat, but it's this forested kind of like wetlands, marshy area outside of Cambridge, Maryland. So there is really nothing around. And so, you know, as I was going through the scenarios, I'm thinking, okay, I can either... <laughs> I can either sit here and ask for medical aid and hope that my bike shows up, you know, someplace. And um, I can try and ride back to, you know, transition against traffic and kind of take things on my own, or I can just keep going through the ride. Um, And I, at that point in time, I just felt like I was probably really, you know, some road rash and some bruises and stuff. So, um, yeah, it wasn't until I tried to put weight on it that it, it felt like a problem. Um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, it was one of those things. I, I had uh, Ironman Montrem Blanc um, on the schedule for this past August. Um, and that ended up uh, that ended up not happening. I mean, fortunately, my recovery was pretty good. I was, you know, no surgery. was on crutches for uh, two or three weeks. Um was back in the pool in about three or four weeks and on the trainer in a couple of weeks. And, um, but you're, you're you were know, still just able to do not, the Blue Ridge relay. You're still, you're I was still, still able by, to do the Blue Ridge relay by, by uh, September 10th or whatever the date specifically was there. You were able to do run a few legs on Blue Ridge relay. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, uh, with my history, this was not the first experience you guys <laughs> had had with running scenarios of me doing fewer than seven legs. So, um, you know, Lee in his spreadsheet already had the uh, the iterations worked up. If I were to oh, do, yeah. you know, three legs, four legs, five legs, whatever mm-hmm. it was. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I was I was the chump that you know ended up uh, 
making you and Eric run an extra two legs. So well, it you was know, Eric it, that did extra leg this year. It was in, in, in the in the event that you actually make it healthy to the Blue Ridge Relay next year. Um, I don't know what we're gonna do, man. It's gonna be strange. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, the silver lining with not being able to do Montreux Blanc was my my work schedule over the summer, uh, non related to running, was was pretty hectic. Um, you know, it's one of those, um, even if I hadn't been injured, the build for Montremblant would have been just hellacious. Okay. Um, so, you know, I had a registration. Fortunately, uh, you know, Ironman let me transfer it. Uh, oh, that's good. Arizona was one of the ones that was transferable uh, or that was transferable to. Um, you know, it worked with schedule. I figured it, you know, talking with Alyssa, it was going to be a, a good timing with recovery uh and and a good one to build for and even though i you know kind of wanted to do a different course you know it that the benefit of it was i was familiar with the course from doing it the year prior so um yeah so yeah was there was there any part of you that i mean because i i certainly appreciate the allure of doing different courses but was there any part of you that actually kind of said okay well this will give me an opportunity to to take another bite of this apple here and and not crash on the bike and not be almost hypothermic coming out of the water. And is, was there anything that said, all right, I, I can do this better. Uh, yeah. And now I have a chance to do it better. Yeah. I mean, and definitely in, I don't think just long course Ironmans, but for, I mean, for me at least in more like, and just long course running as well, you know, marathons and whatnot, you know, there's, the races just seem easier when you're on a familiar course, you know, I mean that, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges for me, at least, you know, certainly in Ironmans is you, you just don't have that inherent sense of like where the various mile markers are, the milestones are particularly in the run, but in the bike as well, mm-hmm. that, you know, my courses that I ride around home or run around home, you know, 15 miles on a course that I know well around home is nothing. Cause I just, I'm familiar with it. I know it, mm-hmm. you know, whereas, you know, 15 miles into a marathon, you just, you feel like you're out there forever. Cause you're just not as familiar with it. You know, mm-hmm. does that make sense? It does. Um, it does. So yeah, there was the part of me and, and definitely, I mean, you know, even in the, the run in Arizona last year, um, you know, I, 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 I really kind of bonked on the run last year. And part of that I think was just, I mentally had a hard time getting through it last year. It's mm-hmm. Arizona is not a very scenic course. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a fast course, but it's not a scenic course. Um, and so, yeah, there was the part of me that was thinking, okay, now that I've done this once before, I kind of, you know, I know like where the physical mile markers are and, and stuff like that, particularly in a run. And that was mm-hmm. one thing that was really able to, keep me going this year was, you know, definitely my head stayed in the game a, a lot more. Yeah. So I yeah. think that's a result of doing it before. Very good. Very good. Um, did you change? So since you knew what you were getting into and you knew, for example, that the course was fast, but not scenic, um, that sort of thing. Did you, you and Alyssa, you and your coach, did y'all change any of the things that you did in preparation or were you forced to change them because you had a broken hip and a separated shoulder? <laughs> 
Uh, well, I definitely went with a uh, full wetsuit this year instead mm-hmm. of the, the, the sleeveless. Um, you know, they changed the course a bit this year. So the, the transition, the, the swim exit was right at transition. So I didn't have that really long run. That's good. But, you know, the, the, generally the full course Ironmans usually have the wetsuit strippers at swim exit. And mm-hmm. that was part of my problem last year was that the, the wetsuit strippers were at swim exit. And then you're basically running down, mm-hmm. you know, barefoot and, you know, wet, um, holding your wetsuit. I, holding your wetsuit you know so that was something going in i'm like i'm not going to use the wetsuit strippers um fortunately they moved them right by the tent so i did still end up using them but you know um those were just mental notes that i was ready to do um you know the the bike um you know one thing we talked about beforehand it's it's basically a you know it's a three loop out and back um you know out 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 of Tempe onto the B line to uh, Maricopa Indian reservation um, mm-hmm. goes out about 17, 18 miles. You make a loop and come back. Um, and so it's largely flat within a bit of a false flat um, about 10 miles into it. And then the last four miles or so before the turnaround is a quasi decent climb, um, mm-hmm. you know, but then that means you have a nice descent on the way back. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of times too, you have a, um, you know, headwind tailwind. So, you know, one thing we did talk about was, you know, just keeping power constant, you know, not, you know, it, it's very easy to just try and power out and blow a lot of power on the climb and into the headwind. And then you turn the corner and coast for the next 10 miles, uh, on the descent, you know, potentially with the tailwind, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that was something we had talked about and something that, that, execute on i think pretty well so very good very fueling good. was fueling was probably the other big piece and you know, that's you know long course triathlon i think you were the one that I've originally heard it from but you know it's just the fourth discipline in triathlon that's that's something that i've struggled with so that was something we really worked on trying to yeah. tune up yeah for sure for sure yeah. um and i and i think you know when it comes to nutrition it is something that can be worked on you know, I, I, I know a lot of people who, um, have done many Ironmans, um, and have just kind of given them over, given themselves over to the fact that they suck at nutrition or like, they'll say, well, I'm going to try something new with nutrition. And they only try it on race day. They don't actually train with it and try to, you know, stuff like that. Um, but, but yeah, in the same way that you train, uh, cycling, uh, the same way you train running, the same way you train swimming, uh, you need to, to, train nutrition um because that's a, such a critical part of 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 those super long distance races including of course ironmans um and so it was to good effect right i mean so so i'm i'm looking at your splits here you had, you did 1051 overall you swam 120 you uh had a long t1 which i'm looking forward to making fun of you about here in just a minute um you biked 518 which was a solid bike and you ran 355 um after a 6 minute t2 uh 1051 overall that was a pr right yeah yeah it was uh about a 40 minute pr from 40 Arizona minute PR. last year Jeez. Yeah, well, you know, it helps when you don't lay the bike down and you know, as much as you'll make fun of my 1059 T1 <laughs> this year, my T1 last year I think was almost 20 minutes. So, right, uh, right. you know, when well, when you year, don't last year you were hypothermic. What happened this year? <laughs> 
<laughs> Our so, mutual friends would not be okay with me just letting that go, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so I have yeah, to well, ask you what you were doing in transition for 11 minutes, Brian. <laughs> well, you know, got to stretch out, take a little nap, you know, get a drink. Uh, you, know. you can do all that stuff in the first several miles of the bike. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean... So, I mean, that course is a, 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 a look, I'm not going to try and defend it. It is not, it is not a, you know, three minute T1 for even the pros. I mean, just right, right. the, the runtime of it, the fastest people are getting through there in 435 mm -hmm. minutes just on ground cover. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I do in T1 and I, and I mean, I very, uh, intentionally do this in fulls i don't do it in olympics uh and i don't do it in halves but in fulls you know you grab your bag as you know there's the tent that you go into mm -hmm. um so i do you know i do very intentionally take a minute you know i have a you know short towel in there that you know i'll take an extra couple you know a minute or so i would say excessive time definitely that i'm brushing off, getting stuff off my feet. I, I ride in socks, you know, mm -hmm. um, I mean, Iron Man doesn't let you pre-mount your, your, uh, shoes anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, my mindset there is I'm going to be on the bike for five plus hours. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and if I am going to sacrifice a minute or so to, you know, particularly Arizona, you come out and there's a combination of sand and it's almost like, uh, it's this dried, um, almost like golf course grass that's mowed and dead on mm. the, the runway from, so it's just coating the bottom of your feet. So, mm. so yeah, I take a, you know, I would say I definitely probably blow, uh, an extra two minutes that mm. is, um, probably trying to make sure that I'm ready to go for the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is the part of me that is still new and inexperienced to this. So it's like, um, you know, I do the twice through my bag because, you know, there's the thought in the back of my mind that I don't grab all my gel packs or something like that out of my transition mm -hmm. bag. And then I get out onto the road and go, oh, crap, I, I don't have half. I fit about half of my fuel in the, the box on my bike. And then the mm -hmm. other half needs to go on my kit. Mm -hmm. um, so. You know, some of it is uh, definitely lack of or less experience um, mm -hmm. in transitions. Uh, and then a little bit of it is intentional, mm -hmm. figuring it's an investment on on trying to make sure I don't screw something up. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think that's wise. I mean, I, I, I look forward to any opportunity to make fun of you and all the rest of my friends, just because <laughs> that's how I express my affection for the people I care about. Um, but uh, but but yeah. When it comes to any ultra endurance event, um, uh, I think that taking a, a small amount of time to prevent a problem that might cr create a big time deficit later or a big time problem later is a good idea, right? Yeah. So if you take two minutes to brush off that sand and that keeps you from inadvertently rubbing the bottoms of your feet raw on the bike and then having to run a marathon on top of that, that's probably wise. <laughs> It's, 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 it's probably, it's probably two minutes pretty well spent. So, so yeah. very good. Very good. Um, and then you had a bike PR, I mean, not crashing, like you said, helped, but I mean, you know, you did what five eighteen on the bike. I mean, that's a, that's a solid bike split, man. 
Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, I mean, the the upside is the the wind direction this year was out of the west, so it was it was actually an uphill tailwind. Um, okay. You know, so you had a tailwind on the the way out, and then you had a pretty sizable headwind on the way back, but you had the descent helping you. Um, you know, and but you know, I mean, that was kind of the course st- things that made it a little bit better but i think on the execution side what helped was you know again just getting to keeping a fairly consistent effort you know so um you know with the tailwind i was able to just kind of keep a constant power and capitalize on that tailwind um Mm -hmm. and definitely it minimized the effects of the climb Mm -hmm. but then on the descent you know i really just kind of kept it constant you know mm-hmm. so it it allowed me to, to 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 just really get some good speed on you know the combination of the descent and the um you know the tailwind heading out so mm-hmm. um you know i'd say it it minimized some of the areas that typically would you know really kind of uh, that we might struggle with you know with with climbs and whatnot so um, are you, are you, fit, are you fitter on the bike now? I mean, do you have a stronger bike now? Do you feel like, or, or do you think it's because of the conditions in which you were cycling and your approach to it in terms of keeping a more even power? Um, I mean, I think I'm fitter in a, in an endurance sense. Um, you know, I think my bike strength compared to what it was probably a year ago. Um, you know, if I were to jump in an Olympic right now, um, I don't know that, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if my FTP is actually a little bit lower now than it probably was about a year ago or so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really what Alyssa and I were focusing on a lot on in this build was primarily my swim. Um, mm-hmm. just cause I'm an adult onset swimmer. I'm not mm-hmm. a fast swimmer. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you, you know, that, that the experience of being a, a deep, good runner and a, and uh, a yeah, fairly yeah, good cyclist time. and then yeah. having the struggle through a swim. So, you know, I, I would say that was where my fitness really kind of improved. I mean, I did have about a three minute PR in the swim. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so yeah, I think the bike was largely, I think it was being in better, you know, 112 mile fitness, yeah. you know, I was just able to kind of hold that I am pace, Mm-hmm. solid for five plus hours as opposed to to, to surging you know we're mm-hmm. we we're talking about variability indexes the other night right and mm-hmm. and i was looking you know had me looking back at mine from uh uh this morning from from arizona and i think i was only i think i was only at like a 1.04 or something like that right, I, mean, right. I was i was pretty consistent very so. good very good very good um, and then you, uh, you got off, you went through T2 and then onto the run. Um, was this a marathon run PR for you? I know it wasn't a, a marathon PR for you because it was in an Ironman. Um, but, uh, but was it a marathon run PR for you or an Ironman run PR for you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, by, by a few minutes. Um, I mean, it, it, you know, the, the good side was, you know, that the run in an Ironman is always what. I struggle with, um, you know, you and I were having this conversation the other week. I mean, my, my experience with jumping into starting the marathon of a full distance Ironman 
you know, I equate to somebody, you know, stopping you at mile 20 of an open marathon and saying, all right, good work. Now you're going to go run a marathon. You know, it's kind of, you're right at that point where you feel like you've had a strong race until then, but you're starting to get a little worn out. And um, so, you know, and, and and for the record, I disputed that. I know you, you, didn't <laughs> you said we were discussing that. that, and for the record, I actually disputed that analogy. Just because, not because I think that the Ironman run is easy, but just because I think that they're just not comparable. I, I don't think you can quite sure. say you feel the same getting ready to start the Ironman run as you do at the twenty mile mark of a marathon. I don't. I don't think those two things are the same. I think you're no. certainly tired, um, but but I just don't think they're comparable. Well, and, and your point too, though, was that, you know, you're a strong runner. And so you, your mindset going into the run mm -hmm. of an Ironman was that yeah. you look forward to it from the mm -hmm. standpoint of, okay, now it's time to start catching some people because I'm right. getting into really what is my strong point, um, which time, I agree with. Time um, to kill the swimmers. <laughs> that was always my, and, uh, that was always my, my Ironman mantra was kill the swimmers. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, no, but you're right about that. And, and I think from a mental point of view, I, I think it holds up a little bit better from a yeah. mental point of view saying you're, you're, you're tired, um, and you're getting ready to do it. But from, from a physical point of view, I'm, I'm, I'm just not there with you, but, but, but your point is well made though. Yeah. That, that, um, I, yeah, I always look forward to the run because I get yeah. the swimmers. Well, and, and I would <laughs> but say you do too, cause you're a runner too, man. Yeah. And I would say actually one of the things that went well on this run was I came into it, um, you know, even after having a strong bike, I did not come into it going, okay, I've overbiked and it's mm -hmm. two o'clock in the afternoon and I'm tired and I just want to be done now, but I have to run a marathon. Mm -hmm. I, I was actually coming into it going, okay, I've set myself up yeah. um, with a good swim and a good bike to have a really good day. Yeah. So, you know, I was actually coming into it more of that mindset that we had talked about of just, you know, have a solid run, you know, don't, I didn't, didn't need to set a marathon PR, you know, have a solid marathon and it'll be a really good day. Um, you know, the thing that, you know, I don't, I don't have nearly the number of marathon uh, open marathon experiences, uh, you know, that you have, but one thing that I've, you know, I've learned that it's tough with a marathon. I think you were talking about this on the pod a couple of weeks ago, you know, is an open marathon, a, an Ironman marathon is, is so intent on the pacing, you know, I mean, a 10 K or something like that, you mm -hmm. can go out hard, you can fade a little bit and you mm -hmm. can push to finish and you can race it. Right. Yeah whether you call that a pace or not, um, you know, in order to run a successful marathon at any level, you gotta, you gotta be pacing from the gun yeah. at a pace that you can hold. Yeah. And, you know, which for all of us right out of the gun usually means that you're going something that feels too slow, yeah. at least if we're not experienced in a marathon for the first couple of miles. Mm -hmm. Um, and that holds true for an Ironman as well. You know, you, you end mm -hmm. up getting out of transition. And so, and I've made that mistake quite a few times mm -hmm. where I come out of transition. It's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm tired, but I feel good. So I'm going to, I'm going to blaze through this run. And I end up yeah. killing myself on the run. And so that was a big focal point was really trying to rein back those first couple of miles and keep them in check so that yeah. I didn't crash nearly as hard on the run. Um, I, I think it's even truer in, in an Ironman than it is um, in, in an open marathon. Um, 
but yeah, I think it was actually Eric who said that that if you kind of blow it in in a 10K, say you run the first two miles of the 10K too fast, uh, worst case scenario, you kind of start falling apart during mile three and four, and then you have to like trudge in, cut it out, you know, for two miles. Uh, you can you can probably do that, <laughs> you know. Right. Whereas if you whereas if you blow it in in an Ironman or if you blow it in um in a in a marathon, you're gonna have to run somewhere between twelve and, and sixteen miles, <laughs> right? You know, just to be able to get to the finish. Um, and yeah, that can be miserable and awful and even dangerous, right? Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, I think it's actually even more difficult and it actually requires more self-control in the opening of an Ironman marathon, not only because the difference between, because, because you're running even slower, right? Um, you're, you're, you're running essentially kind of a steady pace, kind of a, like, like even a brisk pace training pace. Yeah. It's it's, it's like a, it's like a brisk training pace basically is, is about what your Ironman run speed is. Um, and, and you've just gotten off the bike. And so your, your perception is off. Um, whenever you start running after you've been riding a bike at 21, 22, 23 miles an hour, and you, you've gotten accustomed to seeing the world going by at that speed, you get off and you start running at eight miles an hour. Um, and suddenly the world's not going by as fast anymore. And, and you feel like you're just crawling. Yeah, um, it's and, changing uh, just, muscle groups and yeah, and everything. Yeah. So. And so, so it's just like, oh, I, I'm I'm barely moving now. I need to speed up. I'm definitely going too slow. But I mean, the first the first mile, first few miles of an Ironman, you're gonna feel like you're just crawling um, yeah. because because you you're not running very fast and because your perception's so different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but you managed it pretty well. Um, looks like you struggled a little bit in the back half of the run, right? Looks, I think that that mile split around mile twenty three. It looked like you were you were you were kind of hanging on a little bit, but you rallied well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was like any, it was like any marathon. The last ten k was a mm-hmm. was a trudge, but uh, you know, was pushing through it. So, um, right so. on, right on. Very good, very good. Um, are you so looking back on the race? Are you are you happy with it? Or is there anything you would change? Anything you're going to do differently the next time you hop in an Ironman? Because I'm presuming that at some point you're going to do another one. Yeah, um, no, I was happy with it. Um, you know, we've talked about this before that you know you you, you set several incremental goals. Um, you know, with with a lot of races, just getting to the start line is one. Uh, yeah. You know, getting there, period, uh, which didn't didn't work for my last Ironman. Um, right. I was going to say, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's the, a real goal. <laughs> right. Getting the starts one, getting to yeah. the finishes, you know, I don't, I don't take either of those for granted. Um, yeah. You know, getting under 11 was 11 hours was, you know, the next one. Um, you know, I still think, you know, it was, it was a good time and that, you know, um, you know, I, I feel like I still have a lot of good runway ahead of me. Um, I didn't, I didn't make some huge leap and bound that I'm going, okay, well, I wonder if I can do that again. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, two Ironmans in, it kind of had been nagging at me that I, I couldn't get under 11 hours in the past. So, um, you know, um, with this race being right before the Thanksgiving holiday last year, we made a family vacation of it, you know, and, and kind of changed up some normal family plans but this year um you know the family went straight to florida to um you know 
uh, meet up with in-laws. So I was out there, um, you know, without a support crew. Um, fortunately, uh, you know, I did have a, a few people, Hillary Biscay, uh, Alyssa coaches for Biscay coaching and Hillary was out there on course cheering for her athletes. Uh, and she's extremely, extremely vocal. So it was good to hear, hear a name every, that was familiar every so once in a while. And, mm-hmm. and buddy of mine, Matt Con from, uh, high school, uh, lives in, um, uh, Scottsdale. So, you know, he's a ultra running guy. So he's big into That's cool. kind of doing that stuff as well. So he was out on the run course. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, you know, as far as, you know, there, there's definitely, I think next year, um, we'll be more on some 70.3s, um, you know, race across America is on the docket for next June. Um, so I don't have any fulls that, um, are on the, the schedule for the next year. Um, mm-hmm. plus with them, you know, I mean, they, they've canceled Coeur d'Alene, they've mm-hmm. canceled, um, uh, Montreblant, you know, those were two that if I was going to do one next year, I probably would have tried to do a makeup for Montreblant. So, um, so I think outside of, of Ram, um, next year will probably be a couple of 70.3s. So, um, it did seem, you know, the, I mean, there were still about 1600 people, uh, out there this year, but it seemed lower key than in, Mm -hmm. Uh, than the last two. Um, mm-hmm. uh, part of it, this was not on the pro calendar, so you didn't have mm-hmm. any of the big names there. So that might have, you know, quieted it down a little bit. Um, you know, being right after the, you know, the split world championships, I think mm-hmm. probably changed something as far as people that wanted to attend this year. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the the guy that won overall still went i think 840 or so um Mm -hmm. you know front of my age group was down around low nine so Mm -hmm. i mean there's still some very very solid people that were competing but um it seemed a little bit lower key than than the last Mm -hmm. two that i did yeah so and 1600 people is it's a nice size for a race but it's definitely that's definitely smaller i think than ironman capacity that's definitely smaller than they would like it to be I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think they try to shoot for around 2000, which, yeah. And that's a, I mean, that, that bike course with it being three loops. Um, I mean, I will say that it, it, it tended to open up the course a little bit, which was nice. For sure. Uh, I mean, I just remember last year with the three loops, you're just, you're always mm-hmm. riding through people, you know, yeah. particularly as you get into like the second lap, because, mm-hmm. you know, Generally around then you have the pros lapping you and the front runners mm-hmm. lapping you and you're, mm-hmm. you know, starting to lap the people that were at the back. And so it, it ends up, you know, in order and, to keep and, it and you're, race, you're, you're, yeah, and you're biking through traffic anyway, since, since you're a better cyclist than you are a swimmer. So, so yeah, um, yeah. you're, you're catching all the people that are, whose swimming is equal to their cycling. <laughs> right. Um, yep. Um, or, or the opposite that their, their swimming is even stronger than their cycling. You're starting to catch all of those people for sure. Um, so you teased it. Let's make sure we go ahead and talk about it here. Um, so the reason why you're not probably going to do any Ironmans next year is because you are doing race across America. You said that you wanted to, you eventually got into Ironmans because what you really want to do is race across America and, and, and now you get to do it. Talk to us about race across America, man. 
Yeah. So, um, I mean, I live in Annapolis, so I mean, literally the last official time stop, uh, time checkpoint, uh, mm-hmm. on the Ram course is less than a mile from my house. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen it for years. I'm familiar with the event cause it, it literally goes a block away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I got back into endurance sports a couple of years ago and, I was kind of going, okay, you know, I've, I've gotten into some marathons, you know, despite the fact that Eric and Brett like doing hundred milers, I, I really don't have the desire to mm-hmm. go out and do a hundred mile trail race, at least not now. So I was kind of struggling with, okay, what do, you know, it's like we were talking about earlier, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that needs to have a, yeah. you know, a, a competition or at least a big goal, you know, mm-hmm. out there that, that I'm keen towards. So set the sights towards doing it in 2022 had actually put together a team. Mm-hmm. Um, that effort, unfortunately came to an end. Uh, me and two of my teammates, uh, were in a bike accident, uh, in August of 2021. Um, to be, to be fair to you, that one wasn't your fault. Yeah. Yeah. We were, um, two of us were hit by a car, uh, mm-hmm. ended up, spending a night in shock trauma up in Baltimore. So it was not fun. Um, but understandably that, you know, that was, that then made it to, you know, not just the physical recovery, but the mental recovery, both yeah. for myself and my teammates, um, right. made it so that 2022 was definitely not happening. Um, right. which good for me. I personally, I made then, okay, 22, 2022 is then going to be, the year that I really focus on tries. And I, I would say, again, the silver lining was that I think that's what really drove me to do a lot of, you know, do two full course uh, races last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm partnered with a organization that is based out of Winchester, Virginia called special love for mm-hmm. children with cancer. Um, they, um, put on they do a lot of programs to support both the children and families uh that are dealing with um childhood cancers um kind of their keystone event is that they do um a very traditional type of summer camp you know cabins and bonfires and canoeing and archery and swimming type stuff um but they're partnered with nih so they um you know, they are able to take kids that are dealing with some pretty advanced uh, therapies. Um, so, uh, but they're an organization that both me and my company, uh, Clark Construction, have worked with for several years um, mm-hmm. and supported. So they seem like a good fit um, to be a, a, a charity partner for RAM. Mm-hmm. Um, and fortunately, after the, you know, the, the having to pull the plug on the 2022 effort um they said hey you know we'll stick with you um you know for a couple of years if it's still on your on your plans to do it in the future um and so we set the sights on june of 2024 um um the team that i put together for 2022 um you know various you know some of the team just really have not gotten back into cycling. It was not something that they wanted to do anymore. So um, put together a fresh team for 2024. Um, 
And so we have a four-person mixed. Uh, so we have at least one female on a team uh, in order to be a mixed team. Um, so myself, uh, Amy Height, uh, Dave Lundberg, uh, they're a husband-wife couple um, that live in Minnesota, and another gentleman named Rick Fellin. Mm-hmm. And all four of us train under uh, the Biscay Coaching okay. uh, umbrella, uh, which was which was the is the common connection. Uh, Amy mm-hmm. is actually a coach with Biscay Coaching, mm-hmm. uh, and Amy, Dave, and Rick all train under Hillary, uh, and I train under Alyssa, who mm-hmm. works uh, for Hillary. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and and both Alyssa and Hillary have ultra experience. So Alyssa is. Uh, has multiple fastest times and and uh, has done the JFK 50 a whole lot of times and and longer endurance runs and then Hillary I know has done Ultraman um, yep. and and a few other Ultraman. things so yeah so 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 both of them have a uh, have some some credentials when it comes to yeah. not just Ironmans but ultra ultra <laughs> yeah and endurance events for sure this will be a interesting one because I, I would definitely say. Yeah, I mean, um, between the four of us on just out of the riders, we have over a hundred Ironman events uh, mm-hmm. between us, and, and I'm 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 the I'm the 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 shortest resume on there, mm-hmm. at, you know, whatever it is, six or so. Um, mm-hmm. So um, you know, Amy and Dave and Rick have all you know qualified for and been to world championships uh ironman world championships several times um we definitely have a team that is uh very uh multi-sport uh strong uh mm-hmm. nobody on the team is a dedicated cyclist mm-hmm. um dave and amy have both done some like 24 hour uh endurance ride okay. uh, type of races so um you know obviously me with Blue Ridge, um, you know, we've got experience with, you know, multi-day type of events, but this will be, um, this will definitely be something that's new for, for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, fundraising's going really well. Um, well, know. that was my next question. So, so you mentioned special love, um, and you talked about how they, they give comfort to families who, um, who have children that are going through childhood cancer, um, which I think is super important, obviously. Uh, and then you mentioned that camp um, that they do every summer, which I think is great too, by the way, but because you, you get to have kids that normally would not necessarily get to have a camp experience, get to have a camp experience. But then also, I think one of the great things about it is that it normalizes their cancer treatment. Like everybody at that camp is undergoing cancer treatment. Right. And yeah. so, so imagine, imagine if you were somehow able to take a child who was undergoing childhood cancer and send them to a mainstream camp. Right. Um, well, everybody would be kind of like talking and wondering and, and, and kind of whispering about, well, I had to take these extra pills or I had to do these extra drugs, or they had to wear these particular clothes or, or they look this particular way. And, and at that camp at the special love camp, like there's none of that because everybody has it. <laughs> right. You know? yeah. It's like it's like everybody finishes their meals and then everybody lines up for this for their for their medicine. And then, you know, it's just kind of what everybody does there. Right. Um, and and I think that that's just so great. Um yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. to, to meet other people who are having to go through that same sort of thing. And it's it's a normal process, right? Yeah. 
and they've 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 the organization's very well run, very lean, and and they've grown into they support. They actually just did a uh, parents weekend here, I believe this past weekend. They do uh, camp for siblings as well. They do um, um, some uh, scholarships and stuff like that as well for those kids have undergone therapy as well as siblings. So, yep, awesome, very good, so. very good. Well, so. On that note, then let's let's wrap up here by you're telling us how can we learn more and support uh, your four person RAM effort in support of special love. Uh, so our team webpage is teamonelife.org. dot uh, org. The team name. Um, it's one o o n e, not the number one. Yeah. Right? Yeah, team and then one spelled out O N E life dot org and that's written all together, no dots in between. Mm-hmm. Um, you can learn more about the team that we've got, um, our sponsors. Um, you know, our our biggest sponsor that I want to give a shout out to is a um a company called Bion, uh, which is a mechanical and plumbing contractor in Northern Virginia. Uh mm-hmm. Josie Geiger and Don Ripley are the owners. Uh, good friends of mine, um, you know, Josie does a lot of work with uh, CASA, which is court appointed uh, special advocates for children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's just, you know, they they are kind of our primary sponsor as well as uh, a lot of other contractors I've worked with in the area. Um, you know, right now we're we're largely trying to just build a following and, and get people on board. Um, mm-hmm. So people that want to follow, you can follow via uh, our Team One Life uh, Facebook page or Team One Life uh, Instagram page. Mm-hmm. And definitely also the website. Uh, if anybody is interested in making donations, there's a donation link through the website. Um, one thing that we're doing on the team is we have one of our team members, uh, a uh, friend of mine named Ted Morgan, who is a very accomplished uh, photographer. Um, he photographs running events, uh, cycling events, sailing events, as well as a lot of nature uh, type of uh, amateur photography in the Annapolis area. He is going to be part of our support crew, mm-hmm. um, probably predominantly on the RV side, but um, his primary role during the event will be content and media outreach and tracking and blogging and stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. So that, you know, really we can kind of keep followers up to date, but really also engage uh, the kids with special life program as well. Oh, cool. Very good. Yeah. We found, so when I, when I crewed for my wife's team in 2013, um, it was a two-person team, so it was a slightly different setup. But we found that without a dedicated social media person, without somebody that was doing that, and that was their primary role, that we just didn't really do it. Um, and and it's because we were doing other things in order to keep ourselves going, right? I mean, it's not like we were just kind of hanging out and just refusing to post on Facebook. Um, but rather, we were you know taking care of the riders and trying to rest and cleaning the van and all the other things that attend being a crew member on on RAM. Um, and so, yeah, I think that'll be good. And that'll make it fun for us to follow you. Um, yeah. um, you know, it's going to be fun for us to follow you over the course of the next several months here. So I hope that after Rams over, you'll uh, consider coming back maybe with uh, some of your teammates and tell us how it went, man. Absolutely. All right. Team one life.org. Brian, I appreciate you coming on the most pleasant exhaustion podcast, man. 
Thanks for having me, George. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk more soon. All right. We'll see you. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasant podcast, on Twitter at pleasant podcast, on Instagram at most pleasant exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Be sure to share us with your friends. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram at bluepineappletravel. We're also proud to be sponsored by Elemental Altitude, Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com, on Instagram at elementalaltitude, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash elementalaltitude. And finally, High Echelon. You can find High Echelon at highechelonctpa.com. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We'll see you next time.